do you know what's important to you? How is it that you know, how do you know something's very important to you? Um, I guess I would assume I would know what's important, uh, but it's amazing when the rubber meets the road, when you have a moment of an emergency, it's, it's amazing what grips your heart and what you go after first. That sh surely tells you what's most important. Like, I'll admit, it was um, about eight or nine years ago when, when we, my wife and I were on a run together, then all of a sudden a dog came out of nowhere and immediately put my wife behind me, between me and what was really, I, I, I saw a Doberman in my peripheral. It was a poodle. Um, <laughs> But I was proud of myself. I put my wife behind me. I did not put her in front of me and then run because I know I'm faster. It's like zombie apocalypse. All you got to do is trip the person next to you and you're good. All right, that's... So I figure, okay, that, she's important to me. But I remember it was in our first year of marriage. We lived in this little apartment. And we got so many stories from this. Uh, bad things do not happen to pastors. Only sermon illustrations do. And so uh, my wife is a very, very light sleeper. And so any sound will wake her up. And so I remember she was pregnant with Cammie. And she wakes me up 3 in the morning. She's like, somebody's pounding on our door. I'm like, it's fine. It's all good. I will protect us. And I lay back down and go to sleep. And she says, no, 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 I swear. So I, 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 I go out into the, the, the area because all of our doors of our apartments go into this common hallway area. And I look and everybody is dragging their families out of the apartment complex. I'm like... Where's everybody going? And I turned my head, and out of the corner of my eye, there are flames pouring out of our building. And what had happened was lightning struck our building. And so I, I just yell, honey, there's a fire. And so my wife, again, for, this is where you know what you truly treasure. She grabs the cordless phone because back in 1998, there weren't, well, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have one yet. So we grabbed the cordless phone so we can call somebody. And she grabs the wedding photos because those, those are priceless. Those things go, guess what? We didn't have digital photos back in the day. So, you know, we, she grabbed those. What do I grab? My PlayStation. Because if I'm going to be homeless, I'm going to have something to do. I didn't grab the TV. Like, what are you going to play it on? And so... We're standing outside underneath the tree. The rain's coming down. You would have thought I would have grabbed the car keys so we can actually go somewhere. No. I mean, unhook, unhook, unhook. I put it underneath, underneath my, my shirt, and I'm, running. I'm standing outside in the rain, gripping my PlayStation. She's gripping the wedding photos. I'm feeling like an idiot. And there's my treasure. How do you know what you treasure? Have an apartment fire, and you'll know what you treasure in that moment. You'll know what you treasure, because you, whatever you grab first, that's really what you're thinking about the most. Now, granted, I made sure she got out first. Let's just say that. I didn't outrun her. I didn't Michael Scott her and just run out and, and pave the way. But I want to talk this morning about the law of the treasure. We're in a series called First Things First. I, apparently, I found out this morning, there's a song called First Things First that's out. I have no clue what that song is, but apparently somebody's going to send it to me and listen to that. But this literally came out of, uh, I don't know, let's just say the Spirit of God gave me direction. It's just a word that came out first. First Things First. When it comes to the treasure, we need to think about first things first. And the law of the treasure is just simply this out of Scripture. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. That's the law. 
that whatever is in your heart is that which you treasure. And your heart will follow your investment of time, your investment of talent, and yes, your investment of your treasure. And the things that you give your time to, the things that you give your treasure to, the things you give your talents to, that's really where your heart is. And now, if you have attended KFIRS for any length of time, you know that I don't hammer on giving. I don't preach on tithing every other week. I grew up in a church for which our pastor did what we called the pre-sermon sermon. And what that was is the pa our pastor would preach on giving every time we did offering. And he would preach for about 15 minutes. And so we just knew it was the pre-sermon sermon. We always got a sermon on giving. And you know that I don't do that because I don't believe that we should do it out of compulsion. There should be a heart issue. And we'll talk about that more next week. Because I think we've got this idea that all preachers and pastors and evangelists and people are after, they're just after your money. That God is after money. But I think... It's a very simple statement to say this, that God doesn't want your money, he wants your heart. He doesn't want your money, he wants your heart. Scripture says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He says the gold is mine, the silver is mine. And so he's not after your money, he's after your heart. God is not after your calendar, he's after your heart. He's not after your abilities, he's after your heart. And he wants us to be able to give our treasure to him and to offer that to him because it honors who he is. And so we're going to break this down today. We're going to begin to talk about this and help us to understand the law of the treasure. So if you are a note taker today, we're going to give you a simple one, two, three. And so if you're a note taker, write this down. Number one, giving starts with a mindset that it's all from God and it's all for God. I knew this would not be a series that I'm going to get a lot of amens. So some of y'all fake it for me a little bit. Act like you agree and just amen everything if you would. Thank you. It's all from God, and it's all for God. Pastor, Pastor, that's mine. Some of y'all think you're the fresh prince of portage, and everything around you belongs to you and revolves around you, but I'm here to say that everything that we have, it is from God, and it is for God, and our giving starts out with that mindset. That's why James wrote in John, excuse me, James chapter 1, verse 17, that every good gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. It's a great passage, but it really underscores that God gives to us out of himself. And what God gives us is all good. It's all from God. Everything is from God. Every second of our time is a gift from God. Every second of our time. Every ounce of our ability is all from God. Some of y'all think your abilities came from yourself. I'm here to tell you that God has given you abilities and he's given us all different abilities, but they're from God. So every ounce of your talent is from God. Every single penny of what you have is from God. Well, pastor, I don't have a lot. Listen, I, let me just say this because I saw this stat years ago. That if you own your own vehicle, you are in the top 6% of the most wealthy people on the face of this earth. Every penny we have is a gift from God. And we have to recognize that it's not ours, it's borrowed. Our time, our talent, and our treasure, they're all borrowed from the hand of God. It belongs to him. I love what David says. David, King David, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, he says this in verse number 12. He says, both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. And in your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. I love that. Both riches and honor come from you. And then two verses later, he says in verse 14, But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to thus offer willingly? 
For all things come from you, and of your own we have given to you. I love that. David is so just astounded at how much God has blessed him. And listen, David knew what it was like to have everything and what it was like to have nothing. And he recognizes everything, God, comes from your hand. And who are we that we get to give and honor God? What an amazing statement. Because he didn't look at it as like, oh, this is what I have to do. He's like, listen, this is what we get to do. We get to honor God. In fact, one of the things that he wanted to do was he wanted to rebuild the temple of God. And God told him no and said, this is going to be your son Solomon. Solomon is going to do this. And so David began to pledge his personal fortune of gold and silver to the building of the temple. And we know from scripture, it was 300 talents of gold and 7,000 talents of silver. That is, 110 tons of gold and 190 tons of silver. And so this week, I checked out the price of gold and silver per ounce. So this is in today's dollars what David gave as an inheritance for his son to use solely for the temple. Gold this week was trading at $1,989 per ounce, so David handed him $7,6470 as a gift to build the temple. Silver is trading at $25.11 an ounce as of Thursday, and so David handed $152,668,800 as a gift. Here's what you're going to start. And so David didn't save up begrudgingly. David knew that, first of all, it belongs to the Lord and would return it to the Lord for the Lord's glory. He recognized that this is God's. We don't own this. See, the great irony is this. Did you know that you can't give anything to God? You can only return back what he's already given to you. This is like my neighbor, when my neighbor borrowed my drill. And a week later, I kept peering through my blinds wondering, does my neighbor remember he, they got my drill? And then when, so my neighbor, when my neighbor came over, they didn't come back to give me my drill. They came to return the drill that they broke. Am I still bitter? Slightly. My wife bought me a new drill for Christmas. But I see that every day. I'm like, my neighbor, God bless them. They didn't. Give me my drill. They returned my drill. Why am I hammering, hammering this so much? Because if we don't understand that that which is in our hand, that, much is, is, that whatever is in my wallet, whatever is in my bank account, whatever is in my investments, what I live in, what I drive, what I wear, what I do, these things belong to the Lord. And if we don't understand this, it will skew our understanding on how we give. Because we don't operate as owners, we operate as stewards. There's a great quote. Oh, there's a great quote by a guy that's got, I think, the most manly name I've ever read in my life. This guy, in the 19th century, he was a championship polo player. And what he did was, he was actually supposed to go pro, and he was just the greatest player in the world. And he denied all of that to go into missions, to begin to plant churches in the Congo. He went over to India to plant churches. Uh, he went into China to plant churches so that everybody could hear the name of Jesus. And this guy's name best name in sports ever, C.T. Studd. C.T. Studd says this, only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. C.T. Studd looked at the world and he recognized that the legacy that we pass on to the world 
It shouldn't be gold and silver. I mean, as a kid, I would love that something like that, like that would be left for me. But in reality, the best thing that my parents ever gave me is not an inheritance. That could be waiting for me. I don't think there's an inheritance waiting for me. But there could be an inheritance. That doesn't matter. The best thing that my parents ever handed to me, number one, was a life that modeled following Jesus Christ. Best thing you can give your kids is the legacy of somebody that has a fully life surrendered to Jesus Christ. Best things you can ever give them. The second thing that my parents gave me was a legacy and an understanding of giving. Nobody outgave my parents. They taught me from the beginning stages that everything that God gives belongs to him. And we honor our lives by giving back unto him, by returning it back to him. So the, the law of treasure, it starts with a mindset. And more specifically, we should probably say it starts with a heart set. Everything is from him. And everything is for him. That leads me toward number two. It's a pre-decision. Giving, I believe, is a pre-decision. Giving should not come from the pastor twisting an arm and trying to get you to give. It is not my goal. It is never my process that I'm here to squeeze every dime possible out of the people that I serve. I will not do that. I think that's manipulation. I think that's wrong. I won't do that. But it becomes a mindset that we have to have regarding giving that it's a pre-decision. This is the story of mine and Anne's marriage. Is we both came from Christian homes, both came from fantastic parents. We love our parents. And let me say that just in case they're watching today. I love my in-laws, love my parents immensely. But we also came from different realms of giving and how our parents gave. And when we came together, we got married, we decided, pre-decided that regardless of what we made and where we would end up in ministry, that we would be tithers. And I will admit this, and especially in those first few years, we struggled with the idea because of how little we were making in ministry. I was working full-time as a youth pastor, sometimes kids pastor. We brought on, we took on extra hours at the church to do custodial at the church. My wife worked for a chimney company, and so she was getting some hours. And so some of you are thinking like Mary Poppins and Ann was on top of a roof somewhere like, you know, <laughs> brushing out the, the chimneys. Uh, she was an admin at a chimney, chimney company. And... We had money come in, and we were kind of making our bills, and what we were doing was paying our bills and eating food at my parents' house, which lived like three miles away. And so that's just kind of how we did life. And when Cammie was born, um, Anne really wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, and so I remember cutting the cable, no more ESPN. I know. Let me preach about sacrifice today. All right. We begin to just lay aside things that... We're simple, begin to pare back preferences, and begin to pull back other things. But the one thing that we had pre-decided when we got married is we are going to be a tithing and missions-giving family. Was it tough? You better believe it. Was it challenging? You better believe it. And I look back on those days, I don't look at those days and take those days for granted. I remember those days of just, okay, how are we going to pay this bill? What does this look like? Do we need to use a credit card this time? I remember having those conversations, but I'm here to say this, that you are not just giving, just to pay, you're not paying dues to God, you're honoring God. And know this, that every time you walk in obedience, blessing will always follow obedience. Jesus will show up where you think he won't show up. I remember one time, I was just walking through the church hallway. We'd been in ministry a year, two years, three years. And I remember this, this gentleman, I've known him for years because I was youth pastoring in my home church. I have seen him, never once had a conversation with this older gentleman once, ever. 
And he walked up, he goes, you're the youth pastor. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> he says, I want to shake your hand because I think you're doing a great job. I mean, he's, he doesn't have any kids in the youth group whatsoever. And so he shakes my hand and I feel something in my hand. And he smiles. He says, I just want you to know you're doing a good job. And he walked away. And I opened up my hand. It was a $50 bill. And I, I, I told my parents about it. They said, well, that's called a Pentecostal handshake. <laughs> I'm telling you, anytime the pastor told me to walk around and shake hands, I never missed a handshake in my life. <laughs> I'm like, there got to be more of these around this place. I'm like, you know how many ramen noodles this could buy? I'm here to say this, that obedience, God honors your obedience. And when we give to God, let me say this, when we give to God, it's not sacrifice, it's honoring God. We decided years ago that we would do what the Bible calls the first fruits giving. Uh, it would be called 10%. We call it tithing. That the first 10% of what we make would go to honor the Lord. Still to this day, this past week, we celebrated our 26th and 26 years of ministry. And we've said, still to this day, we would never not tithe. We would never not give the missions. We would when, if somebody needed help, somebody needs to go to a retreat, somebody needs to go to a mission trip, we would never just say, no, thank you. We're here to bless and to honor because that's what God blesses and he honors. It is first fruits. And when we live out in that type of generosity, and the reason why I like the word generosity is the word generosity means to give above expected. So when we live in that manner... God just naturally blesses it. Why? Because we're acting out of the nature for which he has made us to be. Genesis chapter 1. God created man in his image. Jesus, the, the Son, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the three in one. They are in essence, they're givers. They gave us life. We were made in, in his image. And in fact, I mean the most famous scripture in the world. For God so loved the world that he gave he's a giver and if we're made in this image when you act out of that image we're acting out of God's nature but when we hoard and we pull it back we're not acting in the nature of God we're not acting in the nature of the God of this world we're called to be givers I was reading this psychological study this past week and a woman by the name of Elizabeth Dunn she did this study and so she got two groups of people and one group she called the, the pro-social people, the other the personal people. And so she brought them in, and in the morning she had them test how happy they were that morning. Most likely after coffee, but let's, let's see how happy these people are and how they would rate their happiness. And then on their way out, she handed all of them an envelope, and inside that envelope was anywhere from $5 to $20. And if they were the personal people, they had to go spend money on themselves. Whatever's in the envelope, spend it on yourself. And for the pro-social people, you give it away, donate it, buy something and give it to somebody, do whatever you want with it as long as it is for somebody else. And then after 5 o'clock, they all got phone calls. They all had to rate their levels of happiness. And the people that spent money on other people, that donated money, that blessed other people, found themselves three times happier than the people that went out and simply bought a Starbucks for themselves that day. 
And the psychological studies, isn't it amazing that when people give, you actually feel happier? I'm here to say that when you give, it's not that you feel happier. You realize you're living out the God nature that God put inside of you. That you're actually exercising that which God put inside of your spirit. Uh, Paul quoted, quoted, quoted Jesus in Acts chapter 20 when he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is blessed because it honors God and it honors the heart that he's put inside all of us. So I want to make a couple observations this morning about tithing. I want to, make, I want to clear, clear some things here. Number one, it's a formational practice that helps us to grow into maturity. It is a formational practice. It is part of our discipleship, our growth in Jesus. When you give, you are breaking the back of greed. Money has a hold on us in devious ways. And tithing is a way of training our lives to become like Jesus and have a greater freedom from the attachments. Well, pastor, if I give away 10%, I've only got 90%. I believe that God can do more if you're 90% than what you can do with your 100%. I believe it. Number two, tithing is a discipline that removes our entitlement to dictate God's work within the community of Christ. It removes our entitlement. Years ago, years ago, somebody pulled me aside and just simply said, Pastor, if you don't quit preaching what you're preaching, I may take my tithe elsewhere. And I, can I just admit that I did not give a very pastoral response. I'll tell you what I said. Please forgive me. Well, if you say that to me again, I will tell you where to stick your tithe. I told you it wasn't very pastoral. Not in the least bit. But the reality is, like, I can't pastor if my hand is being manipulated by the giving. I do not check the books. I don't know what y'all give or if you give or if you don't give. I don't check the books. I don't know what everybody gives. I don't know the levels that everybody gives because I don't want that to manipulate my heart. That's got to be between you and the Lord. I can't be that type of pastor. And if my hand is manipulated, then I cease to be a pastor, nor am I a man of God at that point. I can't do that. Oh, Beth, I love Beth Moore. I love Beth Moore. She says this, if your financial giving to your church is according to whether or not your pastor stays within your preferred pet subjects and preferred parameters, if you threaten to take your big wallet somewhere else, if he doesn't behave better, you are not giving, you are bribing. <laughs> Number three, tithing isn't the goal. It's the starting point. Tithing isn't the goal. It's the starting point. Well, if I can get everybody up to 10% tithing, then, then we've reached the goal. Listen, in my opinion, that's the starting point. And we those first few years, we struggled. We'll tell you, we struggled. We asked questions, should we tithe? We looked at bills and said, should we keep giving? We understand the pain of all of that. And we also looked at it and said, tithing was not something we're going to reach for. Tithing is something that we not just want to get to that spot, but then we want to say, what more can we do to give? Generosity breaks the back of stinginess. It breaks the back of greed. Lead me toward number four. Start with where you're at. If you are not a tither, my challenge to you this morning is to start where you are at. By the way, I'm not taking up an offering after the, at the end of the sermon. I did that one time. I'm like, oh, what a jerk. That was like the most, that was horrible. We're not taking, a, we're not taking an offering at the end of this. But here's my challenge. If you're not a tither, and statistics tell us that most millennials and Gen Zers are, are living from paycheck to paycheck. 
and let's not get into Generation X, which is my broken generation, and into the boomer generation, because we, we've got our own issues. But we know that most of this world, we're living from paycheck to paycheck. And the idea for, number one, of budgeting, if you need budgeting help, you talk to me. We're going to help you get uh, a budgeting plan. We've got people that we can hook you up with to help you with a budget. But secondly, I would challenge you to say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, I'm going to challenge you to start with where you are at. And I've had people give me kickback on this before. Start with 1%. Start somewhere. Start with 2%. And what has happened over the years is I get younger generations that become all or nothing. If they can't give the full 10%, they give nothing. But I, I'm here to say, I'm going to challenge you to begin to give and begin to watch the way God will grow your faith, to grow your trust, and the way God will continue to show up in your obedience and let God, ask God, grow my grace for the capacity to give more. Number five, we must be honest about the connections we make between our giving habits and blessings. Let's be real this morning. There are times when I generously gave and God blessed me. There are times where I wasn't very generous and God still blessed my life. We have to be very cautious. Do I believe blessing follows obedience? Absolutely. But I, I want to make sure I clarify that generosity is not about controlling God's hand. I gave this much. God, you owe me this. God, this is how much I gave. You, this is what you ought to give me. And my authority in, in, in the name of Jesus, you give me this. If you are making those stances, there's a lot of other issues besides giving that you need to deal with God on. But we have to be honest that we cannot give to try to get back. Because have we, been, had, have we had financial blessing through the years that I believe came from our generosity? I believe that we've had some of those moments. But I'm here to say that financial blessing is not the only blessing that follows generous giving. There are times that God wants to bless your marriage. And I'll tell you what, that's worth more than money right there. If you knew what Anne was married to, you would know that God, that's blessing a God there. Thank you. Sometimes God blesses you in ways that go far beyond what bank accounts can count. That God will bless you with health. God will bless you with safety. God will bless you with patience. Some parents, someone's parents got to say amen to that. That God will bless you with wisdom, discernment, insight. That God will bless you with the gifts of the Spirit, things that money cannot buy. And we have to disconnect the idea that I, I'm just going to pay it forward. If that's your tithing is pay it forward, you've missed the heart of God. And number six, maybe most importantly, if you leave this church because of this sermon, <laughs> wherever you go to next, tithe when you get there. I'm not preaching this to keep you or to drive you, but if you don't like this message, I really don't care. But what I care about is wherever you go next, tithe when you get there. And tell the pastor to write me a thank you card. <laughs> How is it that we in America have gotten so bent around this world revolves around us and we get this idea that everything, including God, revolves around us? Everything we have comes from him and it's for him. And we have to have a pre-decision that simply says, this is what we will do. That leads me toward number three. If you don't use the blessings of God to bless others, those blessings will become a curse. 
assets will become liabilities. Genesis 12, verse 2 through 3, God gives this promise to Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. We know that Abraham tithed. In fact, tithing for Abraham existed well before the law even existed. So tithing existed. We can get into the, we can get into the gospels where Jesus doesn't turn people away from tithing but wants to correct their heart. We could talk, we'll talk more next week about tithing and stuff. Uh, so we like, well, we'll watch online next week then. Don't do that, please. But this idea that God gives to Abraham is I'm going to bless you for you to be a blessing. If you, if all you do is to raise your standard of living and you don't raise your standard of giving, the blessings are going to backfire. That when, whatever God gives us, my pastor, my mentor used to say this. He goes, we hold everything that God gives us in our hands like this. We open up our hand in order to hold it so we don't drop it. But also to hold it in such a way that if God wants to use it, that we're not gripping onto it. But we're willing to let it go. He gives, he takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. That was always his mindset, and I've never forgotten about that. Because when you receive blessings from God, and then you take those blessings, and you flip it onto somebody else, you multiply, and you double the blessing. It's like when somebody gives you a word, and all of a sudden, man, it blessed your life, and God gives you a word, and then you bless that, all of a sudden, it's like you're just flipping the blessing. Then when God blesses you monetarily, and you utilize that to bless somebody, or you utilize, utilize that to tithe, you utilize that to bless our church planners in a few weeks. When God has blessed you, you bless others, you got to flip the blessing. We should have called this message, flip the blessing. Some of y'all been holding on to it, you got to flip it. Flip it over on the people around you. Stop holding on to you. It's not yours. It's God's. And if you don't use it to bless others, what you begin to do, instead of blessing like this, you start holding on to it like this. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. And I'm going to take it to the grave in reality. They don't take it to the grave because I do funerals, and I will do a lot of funerals in my life. And not once have I ever seen anybody take anything with them that really belonged to them. Man, well, you got a church... That gets the idea of flipping blessings. What I have is the Lord's, and I'm going to use it just to, just to bless, to encourage, to strengthen. I love what Winston Churchill says this. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. We make a life by what we give. My parents gave me an unbelievable legacy that they got from their parents. My, I remember my grandfather quizzing me on whether or not I was tithing when I got my first job at the Dollar Tree. Making $3.25 an hour. Worst question to ask there, how much is this? Except now it's $1.25. Now we're getting, we're getting hoodwinked here. The $1.25 tree. But I remember... The legacy my parents gave me, which they got from their, their parents, which they got from their parents, was that we will be a generous people. And what we are going to do is we are going to give of what God has given us. We're going to return back to him and offer to him. Because something that they've taught me for years is simply this, is to give what God is up to. Let me clarify that. Because when it comes to giving... There's three types of givers in the house. We've got grippers. People that will hold on to it and they say, it's mine. It's mine. Does this sound like your kids when they're like two years old? It's mine. It's mine. 
How dare God ask me to give what is mine? And we grip onto it. Like we're, we're going to go drop our check off in the, in the get, in boxes in the back. And like you're, you're gripping onto it until the last second and you let it go. And all right, blessed be the name of the Lord. So we got, we've got the, the grippers. Then we got the tippers. I'll give God a 10 spot. It's been a good week. He's been good to me this week. Then all of a sudden you have a really good week. Oh, God deserves a 20 spot this week. Then all of a sudden something comes through. Oh, we got the grippers fell over here. There's a spiritual little lesson right there. But all of a sudden investment comes in. All your digicoins came through. Digicoins? That's not even the proper term. What has happened to me? You're like... God gets a hundy this week. You just drop a hundred back there. Like, God's going to be so proud of me. I did God a favor. Isn't that what tipping is? I did, I did God a favor. I really blessed it. Look how good I am. But God's not looking for people to grip onto things. He's not looking for tippers. He's looking for the givers. And we got so many people that live in this spot. And we think, okay, I'll get, I'll do a little bit better. I'll just, Pastor Dave, I get it. I'm going to become a tipper this week. My goal is that every single one of us would stand in this place that lifts Jesus up. That says, I'm going to give. I'm going to give. Pastor, what do, what do we give to? I'll say it this simple. Give to what God is up to. How do I know what to give to? Give what God is up to. Well, I don't think God is up to anything in our church. Then you know what? Then you need to go find another church that's doing something and give. I'll tell you, we're doing something. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> give to what God is up to. I wish, I wish, I wish I could just take the time to talk through the stories from the last three weeks of preaching on the Holy Spirit. People who have given their lives to Jesus, people who came down front to get prayer, to get a fresh word from God, and all of a sudden somebody brings up something to them, and like, like how did you know that it's the Spirit of God at work? To hear about broken souls coming down and creating connections of people who have been down that road before, it's like, how did they match up like that? It's the Spirit of God at work. To see a, a young boy get baptized by his father. The Spirit of God's at work. To see a young lady come down and come up. There's a picture that, uh, there's a picture that we got of that. See, with just the biggest smile on her face, the joy of Jesus in her life. God is at work. But when I get calls from missionaries of what God is doing through your missions giving. Because when you tithe, we decide, I want to tithe from our tithe and send it to our missionaries because I want the missionaries to be connected to our faith. Because as our giving goes up to the church, I want our giving to go out. God is at work. 
And I can't, we cannot be a church, and we will never reach this city. We will never reach this area. We will never reach this world. If we are a people that are grippers, and you know what? We can do a little bit with tippers. We can do a little bit with the 20 spot, a little bit with the 40, 40 spot. That doesn't exist. You know what I'm talking about. But you know what? What's going to happen is when God's people, when God's people come together, and we decide to relinquish to God what belongs to God, it's amazing the type of things that we can build, that we can do, the salvation that we can bring, the people's bellies that we can fill, the naked people that we can cover, the, the, the broken people that we can see set free. And it's not done just because we gave a few dollars. It's because we've invested into the kingdom and the kingdom produces dividends that will go on for eternity. When we give, we're not here for payoff for the now. We're not here for the payoff for, for tomorrow. We're here for the payoff is eternity. That's what we're after. Boy, I haven't had this much fun preaching and giving in a long time. I should have done this a while ago. When you give the K first, don't, don't you dare think that I don't understand what all, what all went into your gift. What goes into your tithe. Your time went into that. Y'all work a lot of hours. You guys work and do a lot of, a lot of things in life using your abilities to earn hourly wages, to earn annual wages. You guys do a lot. So I know that every single time you put something in that offering, there's blood, sweat, and tears that got put into that. And I don't take that for granted, but I'm here to say that we are here 90 years later because God wanted to start something in Kalamazoo and he's not finished yet. He's not finished. And what we invested in the kingdom, it may not put another dime in your pocket, but it will put another soul into eternity. That's what we are about. Jim Elliott says this. The six people that agree, thank you. <laughs> he is no fool who loses what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who loses what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Why do we preach on giving? Again, I haven't done a series on giving the Lord knows how long, but why do we give? Because we want to put God first. It's the law of the treasure. Where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And we give because our treasure is the kingdom. Jesus is the pearl of great price. He is the crown. He is everything that we want to gain. And our, I am convinced more than ever, it is not the time for the church to take a step back. Well, it's somebody else's turn to give. Listen, when it comes to giving, it's always our turn. If I can have a keyboard player come on up, it's always our turn to give. It's always our time to give. One of my most favorite conversations I've ever had in my life was with a lady by the name of Christy. She has passed away, passed away about six or seven years ago. And I remember having a conversation, and she says, Pastor Dave, we're on food stamps. We literally have no money. And, she, and, I, and, I, and before I can even reply, she says, would this be okay? You have a food pantry, don't you? I said, well, I, I do. We have a food pantry at the church. And she says, I'm going to count out all of the groceries that we get from our food stamps. And I want to count out what is 10% of our groceries. I'm going to offer that to God. Don't tell me we can't give. It was back in uh, 2010, I went to Burkina Faso 
over in Africa and went to a tribe out in the middle of nowhere and we were, we went to this gentleman's home because he wanted to thank us because his little girl came to know Jesus and that little girl introduced his whole family to Jesus. And so we're literally out in a desert at a mud hut and he started talking to us about how thankful he was and he was lame in both feet and so we, we said, you don't need to thank us but, but we want to be able to still bless you, could we pray for you? And we watched a man with both feet just stand to his feet and God healed his ankles right then and there and just amazing, just move of God's power. And he was just, he's like, I have to thank you, I have to thank you, I have to thank you. And I'm like, you don't have to thank us. You don't, I'm, I'm, my American brain, you don't have anything. And so we told the translator, no, 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 tell him no. And the translator said, you can't tell him no. You will absolutely disregard what he's wanting to bless you with. And so he had his kids catch their only chicken. And he handed the chicken to me. I'll be honest, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I'm visiting for nine days. And he hands me the chicken. This chicken just kind of grips, the talons are gripping my hand. And I'm not thinking about the pain on my hand. It's the aching of my heart. Because I saw somebody who had nothing. Give me, give me everything. And I, I remember walking away and said, I will never have an excuse not to give. And so we walked away. And, and so I was talking with my translator. And I said, uh, I said, can your family use this? And he says, Absolutely, we, we've been hungry, so I, I gave, him the, gave the translator the chicken, and we put the chicken in the trunk, and we walked away, and we actually left the chicken there for 24 hours. That was a bad moment. <laughs> chicken survived until, the, until dinner the next day. That's a whole story. But between Christy and this phenomenal family in Burkina Faso, it has never gripped my heart more that we... How dare we ever hold on to anything and just simply say, it's mine. How dare we ever get to the place? Let's just toss a few bucks at God. But the Lord, that you would put us at a place. That we would say everything that we are on this platform right here is yours. Lord, I give my life to you. Give my wallet to you. Here's a hard one. This is why we do baby dedication. I give my kids to you. I give my calendar to you. I give everything to you. And Lord, I place it on the altar because I believe you can do more with it than I can ever do with it. And there's my challenge today. If you're a guest with us today, we'll be kind of shocked if you come back next week. But if you're not a guest, you're not a first attender. I'm not here to manipulate you or to twist your arm. I'm here to say this. That if you are not a giver yet, I'm here to challenge you to challenge God with it. We're going to talk about tithing a little bit more next week. But it's the one area of the entire book of the Bible that God says you could test him in. Ever had your kids test your patience? Ask my parents. I did a great job. But test God in this. Test God and give to him what already belongs back. This is what I want to do today.
I want to speak a blessing over your life. It's not a morning to get you to run up to the altar. If you're not a giver, run up to the altar. That would really be awkward. But what I want to do in this beautiful, holy moment is I want to speak blessing over you. I want to speak blessing over your wallets and your bank accounts. I want to speak a blessing over your lives, your talent, your time frames, everything that you are. Because giving to God is more than just giving a few dollars or giving our 10%. It's about giving God everything that we are. And I want to speak blessing over you. I say this over all of you. You will be blessed in this city and blessed in this country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your trough will be blessed. You will bless when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant you that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction and flee from you in seven directions. The Lord will send blessing upon your barns and everything you put your hands to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. The Lord will open up the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, and send rain upon your land and bless the work of your hands. I say this over your lives, your business, your homes, your marriage, your family. I said all in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen.